What's up, y'all? Welcome to episode seven of Facts, the podcast that brings you authentic stories and experiences from black and brown individuals. I'm your host, Kevin Caraballo, and thank you for tuning in. Helping me with today's episode is guest speaker, Leo Gonzalez, who is originally from Queens, New York. Leo is a mental health counselor practicing under a limited permit. He received a master's of science in education of a concentration in clinical mental health counseling from St. John's University, which is located in Jamaica, Queens. Leo is employed at your college sleep program and in prior practice at growth and transition counseling. He is also a huge basketball fan who loves to travel and explore new places. First and foremost, thank you for being here, my guy. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, yeah. How you how you feeling today? What's going on? It's you know, it's it's crazy being being uh, how we are, but you know, I'm safe, I'm sound, and yeah. you know, that's that's all we can ask for. Yeah. So I'm I wanna dive right in into it. How has COVID-19 impacted you thus far? What are some changes that you are currently seeing in your community? Yeah, you know, so right now, you know, because of COVID, it's it's really interesting to just work. You know, normally my job is a, a job where I'm interacting with people and seeing people on a daily basis. And now that's being replaced to virtual communication. So, so it's definitely been a, a big change in that aspect. But you know, I think just everyday life in terms of being able to go out and being able to enjoy the nice weather is, is definitely something that a lot different, right? Springtime in New York and, and we're stuck inside. Yeah. So, you know, during COVID-19, a lot of things went remotely and, you know, you have to use technology. Was it easy for you to like, you know, make that transition? Yeah. So, so I think definitely it's, um, thankfully because I, I am a little tech savvy and there are a lot of programs and a lot of platforms that allow us to, you know, as, as a therapist to utilize distance or e-therapy. So for my, for myself, it's been a, it's been a pretty smooth transition, but I think in terms for, for the clients, this is something that can be difficult to grasp. And I think we'll probably talk a little bit more about that a little bit later, but it's definitely something that, you know, for, for people on the other end that it's been difficult to handle. Yeah. And I know you like to travel a lot, right? Every other uh, year you travel. So uh, any of your plans canceled because of this um, pandemic? Oh, man, I was, <laughs> I had a beautiful trip in mid-June to my home country, Puerto Rico. And I don't think that's going to happen. It, it is, it is one of my, my passions. It is one of my motivators. And, you know, I love travel. I know you like traveling too. Yeah, most definitely. Yes. To me, I, I see it as self-care, right? And I think it's a, you definitely need a balance when you are, you know, working in an environment where you're using yourself a lot, you're talking to people a lot, you're taking on their problems. So like those trips is like a, like a gateway, you know? I agree. Yeah. And you, you know, it's like when, when you're traveling, you get to, turn your phone off, you get to, you know, disconnect from the world. And, and like you said, when we're, you know, in this field, constantly talking to people, constantly having that emotional dream and, and having all that, that stress, it's definitely important that, you know, you take care of yourself and, you know, disconnecting for me is one of, one of my ways of, of practicing self-care. Mm, yeah, that was my next question for you, actually. Like, how you know, what are some ways that you are practicing yeah. self-care? So you say disconnecting. Are there um, other things that you are doing to, like, practice self-care? 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think when we think of self-care, a lot of, a lot of times we think about the, you know, we think reactionary. And I think when we think of self-care, we should get in the habit of being more preventative. And practicing self-care is really about maintaining your overall health. And what that includes, like for me, is like making sure I get enough sleep, making sure I'm, I'm eating healthy, right? making sure, you know, every day I'm, I do some meditation, ma- making sure I, I, I enjoy my leisure time. So I think, you know, we want to make sure that we're, we maintain our health rather than, you know, become overwhelmed and stressed and, and then try and practice self-care because by then it's too late. Yeah, and I think like, you know, you being a mental health clinician is definitely essential for you to practice self-care. You know, hmm. on psychologytoday.com, it states that you are a pre-licensed professional. You know, can you talk about, you know, what that means in regards to, like, you know, the pro- professional yeah. world? Yeah. So my profession is a, I'm a mental health counselor practicing under a limited permit. And the the process for for most mental health professionals is you finish your four-year degree, your undergrad degree. You do two or three years of graduate school. And then after you complete your graduate school, you then have to practice under someone who is a licensed professional. And under that time, it's, it's, it consists of about 3,000 hours and you have to pass a state licensing exam. You know, this is you know, very vital, very important because during this time, you're really learning more about yourself as future professional. And, you know, this, this, you know, this is important. We can't just have people graduating from school and being able to practice on their own. So that's currently where I'm at. Thankfully, I'm actually almost finished. I have about two or 300 wow. more hours until I become that's fully dope. licensed. <laughs> now you definitely, yeah. It's been a long yeah. process. You got to celebrate though, man. The little party. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. <laughs> what drove you to become a mental health clinician? Like, where does your, your passion stem from? Yeah, so I think one of my ma- my major drives, you know, this is really cliche, but I really enjoy helping people. And to take it even a step further is I like to describe myself as someone who's a happy person, someone who enjoys life. And the reason why I chose this profession is I get this opportunity to help and guide people enjoy the same happiness, enjoy the same joy of life that I get to enjoy. And this is, you know, one of the most fulfilling things for me when, you know, you see someone progress and over time they're able to, to, to improve their lives, to make better decisions and enjoy that same happiness that, that I enjoy. So it's really about, you know, being able to, to help others. Yeah, that's dope. Did you ever have doubts about working yeah. in this line of work? If so, why? Oh, definitely. You know, when <laughs> this is, I know you're probably familiar, you know, when, you know, doing your internships and, you know, when you you see your first client and there's a sense of, of an imposter syndrome where you're like, do I really belong here? Do I really, am I really capable of, helping other people. And, and I think that's really the the biggest challenge as a, as a young clinician is, is having confidence in yourself and knowing that this is, this is what you want to do. Right. 
So definitely I've experienced that, but it, it really takes a lot of reflection, a lot of understanding yourself to overcome some of those feelings. And, and you know, this is, this is something that can apply to any profession, right? Starting your first job after college, you're, you, you know, you can be overwhelmed with some of your older coworkers and asking yourself, do I really belong? But it's really about self confidence and reflecting yeah. on it. And not yeah, even for me, like I'm about to start working this Monday. I'm I'm a little bit nervous, even though I I'm confident. You know, I'm confident all those things. But it's just like being in that new um environment, um having like higher expectations. Yeah. You know that take you know it's, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Are you working with clients now? And if you are, like, what are some services that you are providing for them? Yeah. So right now I'm, I am working with clients. I, I normally see about uh, 10 to 15 clients a week. And I think that kind of relates to some of my self-care and knowing my limits of how much and how, how, how often I can provide my services, but I do provide individual therapy. We, we do use, we do it virtually. There's, you know, hundreds, well, not hundreds, but there, there are a very good amount of platforms that allow us to do that. Um, but in terms of like my client, my client population, I think it's pretty diverse um, for the most part in terms of race. Um, I, I would say that when it, when it comes to age, I do really focus mostly on your mid twenties, early thirties. That's really sort of my specialty right now. Okay. And did you ever wanted to work with like the elderly population? Cause you know, those populations are completely different. Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually really interesting because I've I've never had that opportunity to to work with that that type okay. of population. And even like the what the preschoolers, like, you know, from first grade to fifth grade. Yeah. So <laughs> I know my limits. And for me, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. up. <laughs> so, you know, I, I do work with young like adolescents. But for me, I, I just okay. I prefer teens and ups. And do you find it more difficult to work in the mental health field now than before? So is this related to COVID? Um, it could be related to COVID, you know, because being that, you know, things are, you know, uh, like the services have to be remotely done. So is it a time where, like, you feel like it's difficult for you to kind of work in it? Or is it, like, kind of, like, driving you to, to like, you know, push yourself a little bit more in regards to, like, how you carry yourself professionally? Yeah, definitely. And, and I think stemming from this, like, conversation with technology – and thinking about technology, we have to understand that technology, there are, there's its benefits. And then there are things that we simply mm -hmm. can't replicate in, in person. And, you know, I'll start with the benefits. So teletherapy is something that I've done for, for quite some time. And I think it's a wonderful tool because, you know, I'm just thinking of a client who I get to see because he is... And although he's in the same state, he is currently four or five hours away. And I think that's really important that we get these opportunities to to see people in remote areas, to see people in different parts of the state and in different ge with geographic barriers. The, the thing that makes it difficult, and when we think of therapy, is that there's something inorganic about communicating and expressing your feelings virtually so that in in-person aspect can get lost i think that's really the biggest challenge now you know with everything and covid going yeah, on and like especially like the like the sense of touch 
you know, I know, you know, in a therapeutic environment, yeah. it's, you know, I'm not saying, you, you know, you are touching the client, but like in regards to like giving a hug or saying, yeah. you know, you know, putting like yeah. that person, you know, putting your hand on that person's shoulder, like everything's going to be fine. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that, you cannot do, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, then you have like, you know, the clients have their cats running <laughs> across the screen and, and all these distractions. So it, it, it can make be a little difficult. Um, yeah. at times what are some areas that you specialize in like for example do you, do you um practice um cbt motivation interviewing stuff like that yeah so for the most part my I, if i had to say a specialization i do have a lot of experiences working with addiction populations and that's something that i would say would be one of my specialties but that was that was a lot of my work in the past currently i do a lot of work with anxiety with traumas and some of the techniques I use, so you did mention CBT. I'd like to identify as a cognitive behavioral therapist. I think that's probably one of the one of the most beneficial techniques that we can use. We'll talk, I think we'll probably talk a little bit more about that, but every therapist has their own techniques. And I think when when it comes to choosing a therapist, it's important that you know you choose someone who can meet your needs. Right. And and that's important. You know, you don't want to choose someone who specializes in something that that mm -hmm. you don't need do you find one more helpful than the other in regards to like cbt or like you know other things that you you have experience in so like i said cbt is is my go-to it's you know it's something that that i i truly believe in and you know when we think of our theoretical orientations and what we truly believe I feel that I relate most to CBT and, you know, just to give um, the viewers some, some context, CBT is this concept that our thoughts influence our feelings, our thoughts influence what we do, our feelings influence our thoughts and behavior. And when we understand how all three of these components of our lives influence each other, we can change the way we behave, we can change the way we think, we can change the way we feel. We can be more in control of our life, right? And I think, I think this works because some people may not be in tune with their thoughts, but they may be in tune with their feelings. Some people may not be in tune with their thoughts or feelings, but they can see their destructive behaviors. And CBT is about being able to identify these thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that are unhealthy, cause us to feel sad, that cause us to feel anxiety. So that's why I like it, because it gives you multiple approaches. Have you ever had an experience of like, hey, like, you know, you know, the CBT stuff is not working with this client. And, you know, cause as, as clinicians or therapists, you know, one thing that I learned over time is that you can't force a theory or like an approach onto a client if it doesn't fit that client's need, you know, so. And I think, you know, that's a really good point. And I think you mentioned person-centered before. And, you know, this is my opinion. So if there's any therapist listening, don't, don't judge me. But when we think of the, the profession and we think of, I'm going to even expand to any helping profession, nurses, doctors, we, we have to think of ourselves as person-centered first. And what that entails is, you know, being genuine being authentic, like being warm, being empathetic. And I think that is really the foundation of where we're at as, as professionals. And 
using this approach, we want to meet the client where they're at. And I think that that answers that question is, what do I do when my approach is not working? We find out where the client is and where that person is. And we go from there and find what is it that they want. Most definitely. Is being a mental health condition something that you want to do long term? Or is it like something that you're just doing it for now? Yeah, so so definitely this is something I can see myself doing long term. At this moment, I'm still I'm sort of debating of going back to school. You know, one day I, I hope to be Dr. Gonzalez, but we'll, we shall see. But this is definitely something I can see myself doing long term. And you know, part of the motivation behind wanting to go back to school is to be able to train other other clinicians and other therapists. And I think that's something that that definitely drives me and definitely motivates me. But I, I always will see myself being in private practice and seeing clients. Yeah, for a long the time. reason I ask you because this field, a lot of people burn out, you know. It's like uh, there's a huge turnover rate. Yeah. So um, you, you know this, you know, when, when, you know, when you pick a, a career and you look at the research and all those stuff, that's one of the things that that is um, there on the web that a lot of people, you know, they, they need to fill because it's too much for them to handle. You know, it could be overwhelming. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, it's important. You know, I think this goes back to self-care and understanding your boundaries and your limits. And, you know, in regard to your boundaries and limits, we have to be able to set limits with ourselves, meaning we have to know what's too much for me. And we have to be able to set limits with others. Right. So if you're in a work environment that's too demanding on yourself, we need to set limits. We need to have boundaries so that I think self-care is important. You are also a counselor for the seat program at your college, right? Located in Jamaica, Queens. Can you recall <laughs> yes. Can you recall how your last session or class went before you know, they announced school were going remotely? Yes. So first off, I want to shout out Seek and the amazing graduates. Uh, Kevin is a graduate from Seek. So. Seek is a wonderful program, and you know I I really truly enjoy working there. You know every day is a is a new day for me, and I get to you know meet all these amazing people like Kevin, and and all my colleagues. But let me first you know start off by saying, you know my Seek class, that last class that I had, we we could feel it, and being that New York or the U.S. was one of the last countries to be impacted by COVID, we were constantly bombarded by the news. We were constantly bombarded by all this, this fear and panic that was going around. And I think by the time that last class came, students were anxious, students were, were worried, students were scared, and there was a lot of unknown. And I think that was really the driving factor was that fear of the unknown and what's going to happen. Did you find the time to kind of like validate their feelings like during that class? Like, hey, like I know things are going to be difficult and, you know, I don't know what the future may hold, but just know that I'm here for you, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Did you share that with your class? Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually remembering this now. We I remember we did get an, we got an email from, you know, from the, from the higher ups, you know, just you know, helping us or informing us to, you know, validate our students, to support them, to, you know, not 
encourage the fear mongering or the panic. And, you know, thankfully, you know, because of my skill set as a, as a therapist and a clinician, I think that was something that, that was, was helpful to a lot of my students was, you know, making sure that, that they were comfortable with the situation and helping them take things in the moment and be present in the current situation. So I, I definitely agree. That was, that was definitely a helpful, helpful strategy. What is advice or tips that you can share with them, especially students during these times of like, you know, finishing classes and this is like, you know, graduating as well. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there, I think when we think of this, this pandemic, there are tons of, tons of direct and indirect impacts. And for me, in my position, I think the best advice I can give is, is definitely to reach out to, to your supports, right? A lot of times, you know, being virtual, being in a position where you're surrounded by family at home, you technically are supported, but in your environment as a student, you may feel isolated, not being able to go on campus not being able to see your, your peers in school, not being able to see your advisors, professors. So there could be a sense of isolation. And I think this barrier has isolated a lot of, this barrier being the virtual classes has isolated a lot of these students. So I think, you know, the, the best advice is to reach out, to find your support during this time. Perfect. If you have any resources, you know, just try to shoot them out to me so I can put them on, you know, on my page. And I know you have your own Instagram yeah. page too, and that will be included in the um, yes. episode notes. So yeah, because you you definitely share a lot of stuff that I you know I use over time. Like all right, cool, you know, the practice yeah. self care, especially during these times. So so thank you for that. Lastly, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Lastly, what is one advice that you can give the audience out there that are tuning in right now? You know, it could be words of encouragement. Just kind of wrap it up and to put it, you know, leave it on a good note. Yeah. Right now, we're going through a lot. Many of us are angry. Many of us are anxious. Many of us are feeling overwhelmed. And I think it's important that we, we have to be optimistic. We have to stay positive. We have to do what we can right now. Remember that we're in control of what we can control now. And we can't be overwhelmed by the uncontrollable. Right? So I think that's really important to, to get perspective on what's going on. Right? We can't control what's happening with COVID, but we can control how we think, how we feel, and how we act. Most definitely. <laughs> if someone wants to get in contact yeah. with you, what is the best way for them to do so? Um, they can definitely shoot me an email. They can definitely sh uh, you know, DM me on, it, on my Instagram. Um, I'm pretty, pretty open forms of communication. My Psychology Today page, they can, they can reach out. You've been amazing, man. Thank you for like just dropping wisdom and just being real, real with us, you know? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was Before a pleasure, we go, Ted. show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Remember, you can connect and follow us on our social media pages to stay updated. Links will be provided in the episode notes. Thank you for tuning in. Remember this, this is the only podcast that speaks facts.